Hey guys, it's time again. Guys, gals, non-binary pals. Time That's again right. for another episode of Scaring is Sharing. Yes, it is the morgue where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror. Hello. <laughs> oh, hello. We are the Scare Boys. I am here today with the original Sasquatch Slim himself, Jeremy Rusk. And you are the flaming scream queen, Brandy Joe Plantbeck. Yes. Hello, Jeremy. And if you, dear listener, have never listened before, Jeremy and I love horror movies, and we love to get together every week, and we talk about things in the world horror-related, we talk about movies we've watched, we share them with each other, and then we assign a movie to the other person they've never seen before, we watch them, we come back, we talk about them. And it's fun. And it's fun. So this first half, we just talk, uh, and then we assign at the mid midpoint. And if you want to skip ahead of that, you can just look in the, the podcast notes and go to the timestamp of where we discuss the movies. That's it. That's it. That's the rundown. I, I normally don't do it all at the beginning. But yeah, trying, but... You know, a hundred and some episodes in, we're coming up on our three-year mark, Jeremy. Yeah, I just try to get better <laughs> about it, you know, because ideally we're getting people jumping in all the time. And so you know want... what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being a little over the place. I don't need structure and form and whatever. No, we're a little loosey-goosey. That's the kind of people yeah. we are. Do you know, um, I have a pet peeve, and I our friends over at um, Only Slightly Opinionated, Jeremy and Joey, adore them. Go listen to them. They're a newish podcast. They're like 12 episodes in or something. But they did an episode recently where they were only slightly opinionated about pet peeves. And one of my pet peeves is, as a rule, dot, mm -hmm. dot, dot. Because it just it feels so weird to me because it's like, as a rule means like not all the time. And that's just, so, that's wonky to me. That doesn't feel right. I feel like as a rule should be like, as a rule, this is what I do all the time. Like that's yeah. what rules are there for. Rules aren't like, I'm loosey goosey. I'll do whatever I want. That's true. Cause people go as a rule, I try not to be so strict, you know, or whatever. And you're like, no, then it's not a rule. <laughs> so <laughs> I know it's, it's a, it's a weird one to me. Do you have a pet peeve like off the top of your head that you're like this one? Oh, <sighs> No, not really. <laughs> you have no pet peeves. Oh my god, no. your wife must love that. No, the world annoys me. That's what more what the it world. is. That, that is a, a really good pet peeve. The world. Yeah, any that. any given day, anything can annoy me. That's the kind of person I am. But it always changes. So, well, I do know that only slightly opinionated. They are planning on doing some spooky related um, episodes in October, oh. and I'm putting it out there because Joey, I know you listen. Because you're amazing. But I am putting it out there that they should have us on to talk about only slightly opinionated about scary movies. Oh, that'd be awesome. I know. Because we got we got opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Do we ever? <laughs> Jeremy, I just want to say we have so many telegrams, so I feel like we should dive into those. Yeah, let's get into them. Um, because this is if I have a bunch to read that means you must also have a bunch to read well so i did I'm like, give you the, the the crux of them this week so okay i was like we must you, have a lot you start us off please all right from our friend the goth botanist herself lauren she writes 
We watched The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster last night, a tight 93 minutes. So some people may argue that the social commentary is heavy handed at times, but it's actually surprising how those events are both serious and brief, which I suppose is what you'd expect to be the experience of someone living their normal life in such an environment. MJ noted how good the acting was, and I have to agree. We had a good little debate at the end and also discussed the thematic crossovers between Frankenstein and Pet Cemetery. Sometimes dead is better. The ultimate monster mashup that never was. Wolfman versus Godzilla. Director... Shizuo Nakajima, a former employee at Toho Studios, along with some other colleagues, put together this still unreleased fan film from 1983, featuring a werewolf in Japan who grows to kaiju size due to radiation, awakening Godzilla, who sets out to deal with the problem, reportedly still uncomplete and never officially released. Here is some footage that has made it out here, out there. And then now, she sent you, yeah, a link to it. Had you seen that? I had to send, I had to have you read that because that's like so up your alley. Kaiju, yeah, it is. And like a giant kaiju werewolf. Yes. And I have to say, Lauren, I grew up reading the magazine G Fan, mm. uh, of course, short for Godzilla fan, which was the Godzilla like fan zine that I think still runs to this day. Oh, wow. Um, but they used to talk about it all the time in that magazine because there are a bunch of like, never made Godzilla movies and like tons of scripts that Toho had that they never made happen. But this one was different because the guy like actually worked for Toho and then he got access to one of the Godzilla suits that was like no longer in commission. It was like one of the old ones from older movies. Uh, And he shot this, uh, what was going to be a fan film um, because uh, for a minute they, they were really into the idea of pitting like, uh, the Japanese studios were into the idea of pitting their monsters against American. Like I cut, so that's how we got the original King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, uh, I can't remember. Daie is the name of the studio that did Gamera. They did They have a movie called Gamera versus Gauss. And the character of Gauss is like a giant vampire bat. So that was supposed to be their take on like vampire lore from, uh, you know, Western, uh, uh, cinema. Um, and like at different times, there was supposed to be like a Godzilla versus Frankenstein movie and stuff like that. So uh, okay. they got really into the idea of like, do, so there's a ton of those floating out there. There was going to be a Godzilla versus Batman movie at one point where wow. they were talking to like Warner Brothers to get like uh, the this would have been the Adam West day. So they wanted the Adam West Batman to fight Godzilla. Um, but yeah, no, this one Wolfman versus Godzilla. It like sounds so cool. I wish they finished it like the guy shot some footage it's circulated out there what i think happened was like toho stepped in but they didn't like necessarily stop him from making it i think they like debated whether they were going to turn it into a real godzilla movie uh and then production just like stopped on it and it's never been officially released okay wow and have you watched the trailer yet for godzilla minus one I was going to talk about that in the news. Uh, that looks. Well, let's uh, talk about it now because it relates. Yeah, it relates. Yeah, the trailer just came out for the God. The new trailer came out for Godzilla minus one, which is coming out, I guess, this December in theaters in the United States. So it's like coming fast. They got that out there quick. It looks pretty cool. Like it looks like what they're doing is a. a I mean, they've done it before, but it looks like a remake of the original Godzilla again, because it's a period piece set in the 1950s, like right after World War II. Um, It's got like army guys, you know, trying to figure out how to deal with 
a giant monster that's coming. So yeah, it looks it looks pretty cool. And that's different than the Apple TV Godzilla that's happening, right? Isn't there a series? Correct. And then on Apple TV, they are doing a series, but that's a continuation of the um uh the American series we've seen so far of Godzilla Kong Skull Island, Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, it's, it, it's connected to that series. Oh, it's, cool. It's a, it's a continuation of those because apparently they they pulled a big like uh, switcheroo on us, you know, or something uh, because uh, after Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, that's what it's called. After that came out, uh, Warner Brothers was like, oh, our contract with Toho is up. Uh, we're not going to make any more of these. And then all of a sudden they announced like another movie, a TV series. So they must have negotiated a new deal <laughs> with okay. Toho. So uh, like out of nowhere, or like without people be realizing that they were getting ready to make more. So, yeah. And I thought the Godzilla minus one looked like a similar vibe to it does, yeah. Like yeah. it looks very similar to that. It does. It looks more like serious and uh, they're going for uh darker and more realistic mm-hmm. take on on the whole thing more horror elements and since uh lauren brought up frankenstein i also want to talk about poor things which we saw a trailer for that somewhere didn't we yeah at the uh theater for whatever the last thing we saw in theaters was uh-huh uh-huh yeah and i think it looks so cool it does so look quirky and weird and joe has been updating me that like because it's been playing at some film festivals i think it was just at venice yeah film festival and it won like the big award like standing O's, like it just it sounds from what everyone is saying that it's just amazing, and I'm yeah. just I'm so excited. Yeah, it's Yorgos, uh, and I can't I can't say his last name. Uh, he's a Greek director, uh, and his stuff is wildly like quirky. Like you know, he did the the lobster. Um, oh, and, and killing of a sacred deer. And killing of a sacred deer, which you have then- seen. No, I haven't seen that one. Okay, okay. And he, and he did, uh, what I have seen is uh, when he was still operating in Greece making movies uh, is the movie Dogtooth, which is a really weird Oh, yeah, movie. I only know kind of some aspects of it. And yes. it's like one of those fucked up, like, gummo. I mean, it's not as, like, fucked up as some of as the um, Harmony Corinne movies. Yeah. But it has some vibes of gummo that I remember. Yes, it fits in that sort of oeuvre where it's, like, it gets lumped into horror because it's just a fucked up movie. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not overtly a horror film, it just has very uncomfortable, very strange subject matter. Yeah, I and that's I I like those movies and I I like putting them in the horror element just like we talked about with Green Room like it mm-hmm. is similar like it isn't a horror movie but it's like it just is a little bit too too much to just be like your typical thriller you know like it sometimes it just when something is a little bit more fucked up it just yeah. sort of fits a little better in the horror it's too much as a genre film yeah it's too macabre to fit anywhere else too macabre oh i love it when it's too macabre yeah yeah but even my husband wants to see poor things so i am super eh, duper excited for that yeah that looks good yeah well thank you so much for writing in lauren Yes, and we'll God's have to check botanist. out. I keep I keep hearing things about the angry know, black girl and I know, her monster, me too. So gotta check that out at some point. Watch it. I think it's on my watch list on the good old letterbox. And if you want to follow us on letterbox, go to our Instagram, scaring and sharing, all one word, and hit up our link tree where you can buy merch and follow Jeremy. And Jeremy and I are both on Letterbox. Um, you can follow us separately yep. and see what we're watching and all that shiz. Yeah. Yeah, and we want to follow you. All right, next up, we have a telegram from 
a friend of the podcast, Matthew. And the subject is Chucky! Exclamation point. And Matthew writes, Hey, I just wanted to write y'all a quick note. On a recent episode, the TV show Chucky was brought up. I never watched a single episode, so I gave it a try, and I'm hooked. I really like how it delves into the original story. I'm four episodes in, and I can't stop watching. I think it's great that the show relies on practical puppet Chucky, and it's not CGI heavy. Thank you for bringing it up. I wanted to add something else. On another episode, horror musical scores were brought up, and here are two of my favorites that aren't brought up a lot. Cannibal Holocaust, specifically the main theme, and John Carpenter's Christine. This may be an unpopular opinion, but I think I like that better than the Halloween score, probably because I saw Christine first. But still, it's a great score, and so is the Halloween score. Thank you, Matthew. And agreed, the Christine score, I just like, I think of those lights coming on. And the theme starting, like I can hear it in my head. It it is so good. Yeah, I think. All, to, yeah. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say all John Carpenter scores are amazing. I mean, yes, that especially <laughs> when he gets all synthy. It, it, I just love that yeah. synth shit. Um, and the fog is so so good. Like that mm-hmm. is a really beautiful score. And I think today, and I'll touch on this a little bit more in a bit. But today, and I can't the fan. I want to say fan duel, but I think that's that. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, that's the gam- that's, that's sports the betting. Thing. That's sports betting. <laughs> One of those fan, uh, um, shoot, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, uh Fathom Events, yes, thank you. Fathom yeah. Events, they Christine is playing this week, so today, when we're recording September 10th and mm. September 13th, when we record again, and when I have rehearsal, of course. But Christine is playing, um, in theaters these two days, so that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I wish I, I could go see it. it. I know, and last week it was They Live. Um, did you go? Which I didn't go, but I watched it at home because okay. I was like, I was the like 30. Wait, what is? The, yeah, it's like, or the, is it over 30 years? It's got to be over 30 years, right? No, maybe. Yeah, maybe. No, just on it. It's like 30 or 30 or 30 to 35th anniversary. I think of they Because When did it come out? Somewhere in their 80s uh, at some point. 35th anniversary. Okay, that makes more sense because I was like, I, I'm too old like i it yeah. wouldn't make sense 35 yeah. years though that's so crazy and it still is like i'm so glad you shared it with me because it is so relevant it's <laughs> like, so good it's, that's what i thought the entire time watching it yet again i watch it now like probably like once a year at this point and every time i watch it i'm like oh my god this movie is still relevant but that's another one the score is really good in that um, i don't i've only seen it the one time and it doesn't i don't remember but i'm yeah. sure it is yeah if you go back and listen to it especially the main theme it has more of a um I don't know. Like he's trying to do kind of a, a, a like a, a bluesy kind of thing with that one. Okay, where oh, and yeah, it, yeah. It, it just fits really well because it's, it's still synth. But you're like, okay, he's it's feeling very American. Like when you listen to that one, and since they're like really digging into American culture, <laughs> and like while it is still so relevant, also though in it, it's like the the sunglasses let him see who are like the monsters but like these days people are not afraid of showing who they are yeah exactly <laughs> people are not for the most part it is a different world in that way people are less hidden and much more in your face yes. out there here's who i am and here's who i stand with which <laughs> is scary but also i guess i'd prefer that yeah than hidden I- I'd prefer to look at a bumper sticker on your car and know exactly who you are than to like be caught off guard someday when you say yeah. something to me and I'm like, oh, fuck. Ooh, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, uh, I mean, whatever. It's like neither world is great, but, but it is still, it's just still, it holds up so well. I, I was 
Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. shocked I never had watched it before. Um, and Matthew also mentions Cannibal Holocaust, which I heard you audibly react yes. to. Yes. Because very... I've never seen it. So, yeah. I, uh, it, I've seen it in college. I don't know. It's one of those movies where now I'm like, I can't remember. I don't know if I've seen the whole thing or not. I know. Okay. <laughs> I know I've seen most of it. Like, I was exposed to it in college. So, like, I've seen it, but the score is very good. And like he said, the main theme, you go and listen to it and it is this synthy, but it's like this really like quiet, soft, like gentle theme. Uh, And when you listen to a lot, the score of Cannibal Holocaust, it like is in juxtaposition to the movie itself. So it's it's a very cool score. Yeah. Nice. And Matthew also touches on Chucky, which he and I have been chatting on Instagram about it because he hasn't seen Cult or Curse of Chucky. And I was like, Mm. oh, well, I would recommend them. First of all, I think they're good movies. They're not like amazing, but they're good. They're like three stars and above, I'd say, which Mm -hmm. are well worth a watch. Um, But they definitely feed into the like all of the movies feed into the lore of the Chucky series, which is something I love so much. Yeah. Then Matthew hit me up and he's like, asked me some questions about Glenn and Glenda, which I've never seen seed of Chucky. I've tried and I just, it is not up my alley. I don't care for it, but mm-hmm. I I've watched the kill count. Cause I wanted to know, understand what's going on, understand up. Glenn and Glenda a little bit yeah. better. So, yep. um, I, and he asked me some questions about that. So I, I went back and watched some of that, of the, the kill count with James A. Janice. From the Detroit area. Um, but yeah, uh, Chucky is so good. And I know Matthew's now on the second season, which I think is superior to the first. So I'm excited to see how he feels when it all wraps up. And then he'll be finishing it just as the new season's about to start, because I think it's coming up in October. So there you go. Bring it on. Cool. All right. What do you got for us next, Jeremy? Next is from Teacher Drew. Uh, Teacher Drew says, hey, guys, hard to believe we just finished five weeks of our first semester. As we speak, I am on a plane bound for Kansas City for a race. I was It was perfect that I had your new episode to keep me company on the plane. Thanks for the recommendations. I will definitely check out Murder Party. I was so disappointed that the new Exorcist movie will not release on my birthday. I was planning an epic celebration. Curse you, T-Swift. And then he does a (laughs) winking face. At least I won't have to wait as long. I did a rewatch of Warm Bodies. Lately, I've needed a break from zombie movies, but this was perfect. Oddly enough, I didn't catch all the nods to Romeo and Juliet before, but this time, they were exceedingly obvious. Question for you both. In the vein of best horror movies you've never seen, what three would you each recommend? I've been scouring Letterboxd to find these gems and thought I'd ask the experts. Till next time, love to you both and stay happy, stay healthy, stay you, Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Thank you, Teacher Drew. Uh, and yeah, Warm Bodies, I just added to my watch list over on Letterboxd. Follow me, please. Um, <laughs> uh, and and yeah, I, I want to see that. I'm, you know, me and zombie films, I'm not like, oh my God. Uh, but I, I've heard good things and I like the idea of taking a Romeo and Juliet movie and I mean the Romeo and Juliet story and doing something cool with it like that. Um, and oh my God, of course the question about horror, you know, um, less seen horror films, like so many we've done on the show. So I'm going to say my three and okay. some we may have done on here, and I think you've seen all of them. Um, actually, mm-hmm. no, I, one of them I know you haven't seen. And it falls into that, like, it's a genre film. It may not be totally horror, but I think I've, I saw it on some horror lists the year it came out. Um, yeah. But the first one is The Loved Ones, which not a lot of people have seen. Mm-hmm. And it it's on the line of, like, you know, fatal attraction, just more horror, 
related and definitely more gory. It's also by the same guy who did Devil's Candy, which I also fucking love. I love those two movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Then Anguish, which we've done on here, but no one has seen Anguish. Very few people. Always grateful for it's only a podcast, but specifically because of them sharing this movie and Mm -hmm. me catching it and then sharing it with you because it is so fucking good. Mm -hmm. And then my third one I'm going to say is Baccarat, which Mm -hmm. is... Mm, I'm going to have to look up what the the nationality of it is. Uh, I think it's Spanish speaking, but uh, it is so, so good. Um, What are what are your three? Man. okay, best horror movies people have never seen. Uh, You know, uh, I fall back to that book (laughs) that we've talked about that Lauren, uh, the Gothamist, had just bought not that long ago and showed us. But uh, there's a lot of things from that that I've now used you know, to cover on the show, like things that jump to mind for me are like uh, from beyond uh, comes to mind because um, I think and Return of the Living Dead, the original, because those though they have cult followings, I feel like they're not as talked about, but they're they're heavy hitters, man. You watch those movies and you're like, these are greats of the 80s, like horror era, mm-hmm. um, but I don't see them in conversation with like the big franchises ever. Um, Pumpkinhead jumps to mind i feel like Pumpkinhead is a great little monster movie that people don't uh talk about too much anymore and it used to be i feel like mentioned a lot more <laughs> in horror conversation um and then maybe some of the stuff like uh i think we've both talked about it because we've both seen it so we haven't reviewed it on this show but the devil's backbone oh yeah comes to mind and some uh you know some of del toro's um early work like that chronos is another one his first movie i think uh that's another one that's really solid but nobody ever talks about it and for mm-hmm. as big as guillermo del toro is now it's like wow uh, he's got movies that seem to have slipped through the cracks as far as people being like these are some cool uh horror flicks and i've never seen chronos but i thought about it a lot last night because we went to my alma mater wayne state university to see percy jackson the lightning thief musical mm-hmm. and like it i didn't know anything about it except for it was like harry potter ish you know mm-hmm. and um it deals with like the greek gods and like the kids they had and so they mentioned chronos quite yeah. a few times about how he ate his kids and like threw them up or something is like the story which i didn't know yeah. that either he's the but father I, of zeus yeah. and hades and yeah he ate them uh <laughs> which is that's that's what i well chronos in roman mythology is called saturn uh, and that's one of my uh, favorite uh, 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 paintings of all time. And you'll see it used in horror movies a lot. It's the one that's called Saturn Devours His Child. Okay. Um, and it's of the like big, wild looking man, like eating a person. Um, and it's. Oh, uh, yes. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. That that one. Uh, what is that? Goya, I believe, is the, mm-hmm. uh, the painter. Uh, that's like, of course, it's one of my favorite pieces of art <laughs> of all time. But uh, there you go. And I did look up Baccarat, I think is how you pronounce it. And it is Brazilian and French. And the language is actually Portuguese. And there's some English in there as well. But yes, I can't wait to give you that because it is such a unique little film. Cool. And so I highly recommend it for people. I think you can like, I don't know if it's, I know you can rent it on YouTube. And -hmm. I don't know if it's elsewhere, but it's b-a-c-u-r-a-u in case someone out there wants to check it out. Um, and if you have watched it, I'm really curious what you think, because it is a really unique little film. Cool. Thank you so much for writing in, Teacher Drew. Yeah. 
All right, next up, we have a telegram from Ethan, who writes, hi, the subject is, hello, 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 reading that in the RuPaul slash the comeback voice. Mm -hmm. And Ethan writes, Hi, fiends. Just wrapped up the Pet Cemetery and Carrie novels, and both were great. Haven't gotten a lot of horror movies in recently, but my wife and I have been going back and forth watching Are You Afraid of the Dark and Tales from the Crypt. Both have been quite enjoyable. Have any favorite apps? Anyway, just wanted to stop by. Bye. Thanks, Ethan. And yeah. Honestly, I neither one of those series do I have any connection with. I think I've seen some <laughs> Tales from the Crypt, and I tried to watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, I downloaded all of them. I actually got, like, one of those letters, like, like our like, from our... Um, Cease and desist. <laughs> like, uh, hey, we're noticing you're downloading these. And I was like, fuck, I wasn't on the VPN. Because yeah. I, I pay for a VPN. Yep. Um, and so I was like, oh, fuck. Oops. <laughs> but I tried to watch, like, and it wasn't even worth it, because I watched, like, two of them, and I was like, yeah, I'm, no... No, no uh, are you afraid of the dark? I, I feel like, yeah, if you didn't grow up with it, if you were not like me, who was like, are you afraid of the dark is the scariest shit I'd ever seen in my life as a little kid. And like, it's still like the idea of it freaks me out. You rewatch the episodes now and you're like, these are so dumb. Um, but as a kid, it was freaky. Um, and I watched Tales from the Crypt all the time, too. Um, which was like, I felt like I graduated to like big kid horror, you know, grown up horror at that point when I was catching the reruns of those. But um, for me, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, greatest episodes are, um, there's one called Tale of the Dead Man's Float, uh, which I think is real freaky. It's got Jay Baruchel <laughs> in like oh, wow. his, his first role ever. Uh, that's the one where the kids, the pool is haunted in the school the school okay. uh the, the swimming pool because somebody died in it and at the end a zombie comes out like and tries to kill them uh oh, wow. and it's it's legitimately look it up it's legitimately terrifying for like a children's show like i can't believe they got away with that um that one's great um god on the spot i'm trying to think uh th there's a the tale of the strange music i think is what it's called where this family they move into a new house and the boy discovers that there's a monster or creature something that lives under the stairs like they have a storage closet when the door opens it's just all black and you see glowing red eyes and it talks to him in this weird voice and like makes him hallucinate but it wants him to feed people to it oh, uh, kind of like the crate yeah the and it, show. yeah and it, that one gets real dark for like a kid's television episode so that one's cool and then tales from the crypt like i always think of the original the pilot episode which is the christmas one uh where they redid a segment that was in the original movie with the killer santa with claus joan collins i think yes and it's that's like a legitimately a great episode there's that one uh there is a uh there's an episode with bobcat goldthwaite as a struggling ventriloquist <laughs> And uh, he wow. looks up. He looks up to Don Rickles, who plays like this older, like super successful ventriloquist. So, like a lot of commentary about comedians in there. Um, but there's a there's a twist at the end of that one that's just ridiculous, and I love it. Yeah, I a couple of winters ago, if not last winter, Joe and I I I wound up to that segment of Tales from the Crypt, the movie with the Santa yeah. Claus, but I didn't remember that it had been remade. So I'm going to have to watch the, the remake this, this holiday season. Yeah. Yeah. It's the pilot, I believe of the TV series is just that segment. So. Yeah. I watched the remake 
series of Are You Afraid of the Dark? I really liked the first season. The second season I couldn't get into. I tried, and then it was mm-hmm. just not... I didn't like it as much, or I got sidetracked. But I liked the first remake series. And I just saw Goosebumps is coming back. That's what I was going to say. Speaking of those things, uh-huh. th- I just discovered that as well, that there's a Goosebumps series uh, coming to Disney+. Plus. And I was like, very cool, because that's also my jam. I grew up reading the books and watching the show religiously. So I'm excited Would you say it's that. better? Then Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because it's very similar, right? Just a little more recent than Are You Afraid of the Dark? I or feel, they like the same time? Yeah, they were being made at like almost the same time. They're both Canadian made uh, shows. Like I think it was the same production company that made both. Um, I feel like Are You Afraid of the Dark was slightly edgier half the okay. time. Like it, it just went a little bit darker than the Goosebumps TV show, which usually... And even with the Goosebumps books, you know, scary stuff happened, but it always wrapped up and everybody mm-hmm. lived happily ever after. But Are You Afraid of the Dark went a little like sometimes there weren't happy endings. So, okay. Yeah. Interesting. But I love both. That was, you know, as a monster loving little kid, you know, what a time to be alive in the 90s to get all oh, that con- yeah. that horror content aimed at children. So, yeah. All right. Well, bring us home. Thank you, Ethan. All right. And finally, from Al Al. with with the subject that fall feeling, he says, hey, y'all, it's finally not 90 degrees. So I'm riding in to kick off the spooky season. First, for our Metro Detroit fiends, I wanted to share a new spot for your classic horror screening needs. The Motor City Cinema Society just released their fall schedule and tickets are only $5. They are affiliated with the Redford Theater and the details are on Facebook. Uh, And then he quickly lists out the schedule for October, which features the Asphyx, uh, Deep Red, the original Night of the Living Dead, and the original Exorcist. Uh, And Alan continues, these are all 16 millimeter film prints for that old school grindhouse flair, and they all look like a great time. I'm really hoping to catch at least a couple this October. Now for the question. Last year, I binged over the garden wall to get into the fall mood. But this year, I'd love to get a few viewing recommendations. Start over a few viewing (laughs) recommendations that lean more towards the horror side. So when the leaves start to turn and the days get shorter, what are the first movies or shows that you all turn towards to jumpstart your fall? Thanks for the scares, Al. Well, first of all, what's Over the Garden Wall? I love Over the Garden Wall, so that's I watch it, I rewatch it the at least the last couple of years. It was a uh, animated miniseries, uh, and I believe it ran on Cartoon Network. Oh. Um, but it, it's set during. It's like set. The story starts on Halloween night uh, and then continues into like early November, and it has like horror adjacent it's about these two brothers that are lost in this weird sort of magical world trying to find their way home elijah wood is one of the lead voices in it um it's really good like uh it's ostensibly a children's cartoon but it's like a, you know it is very mature storytelling uh so adults can watch that as well and get a lot out of it so something about that reminded me and i don't remember if i've ever talked about it have you ever watched or heard of hell girl no It is a Japanese anime series, and it's like if someone writes, this is how I'm remembering, it might be a little different, but if someone has like a grudge against someone and they write that person's name in like a book by midnight or they email it or something Mm -hmm. to a particular email address, and then Hell Girl, who's like this cute little, you know, anime girl, will come and drag the person whose name was submitted to hell. But there's like a twist, whoever submits the name as well, something happens to them. 
Uh-huh. But it, I've only watched like the first. It was like recommended to me someone who's into anime, and I was like, I'm not really into anime, but I love the idea of horror stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, I have a horror anime, and so they're like, oh, you should watch Hell Girl. Mm-hmm. So I got in. I started to get into it, and then I got like sidetracked with school or whatever. Um, so I never went back to it because I think it starts off sort of like every episode is kind of just the same, just with different people. Yeah. But then I think the lore of who Hell Girl is builds starts, out. Yeah, builds out. So like, I I, I want to go back to that, but yeah. I, I've never heard of Over the Garden Wall, so I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, check it out. And each episode is only like ten minutes long, I think. Like each individual episode, and there's like uh, I don't know, uh, ten of them maybe. You know, it's easy to just watch it like it's a movie, like back to back to back. So okay, interesting. So what about you? What gets you into? I mean, I think we've talked about like Halloween for sure, right? Oh yeah, I was gonna say like uh, we've covered it many times. Like as soon as it's fall season, like I get those yearly binges in. Like the big ones for me are Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. I start rewatching all. I like I save those movies. I know plenty of people and you know friends of the podcast will watch those any any time willy nilly. But I'm like, nope, Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. I save those series for close to fall, close to Halloween because they just feel like it for me. I think it's just growing up with them playing on television. Well, Halloween's obvious, but Friday the 13th, I feel like those didn't start coming on TV until it was closer to the Halloween season. So that's, you know, in my mind, they're also locked in as a Halloween time thing. Um, I do have a weird specific one. Uh, well, not weird, but unusual specific one, which is there is an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, from back in the day, the movie was called The Final Sacrifice. It's this really bad, like Canadian. Uh, it's supposed to be like an Indiana Jones ripoff, where <laughs> it's like this adventure movie with an evil cult and stuff. But it's Canadian. It was like shot in Canada, and you could tell it was the fall <laughs> when they shot the movie. Uh, so that one always sticks out in my mind as like watching this bad like student film uh and then them riffing and it it doesn't hurt that it's one of the funnier episodes of mystery science theater 3000 because they got some really good riffs in there so that's one that always jumps to mind and i usually watch that every fall and feel like yep fall is here yeah i don't i honestly feel like i treat the entire year like it's fall like I, i don't have anything that changes for me i i just i I love to watch as many horror movies and things at all times, truly. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm mm-hmm. not like nothing changes for, I don't have any specifics. It really just like all year is just the same. Every day is Halloween. <laughs> it seriously is true with me, though. Mm-hmm. Like, 100%. So, uh, whatever. Um, but also, I want to say, like, the list of movies Ethan sent out are great, and they're Mondays in October, which I can. Al sent out. Oh, I'm sorry, Al. Thank you. Um, that I can make those movies, and so I, in particular, I want to see Deep Red because I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, and in I don't 16... know what the Ace Fix is. The Ace Fix. I've heard the name. It's something. It's like a ghost haunting movie. I think from the 70s. It might be British, I, but don't hold me to that. Yeah, this British sci-fi horror classic admired by such filmmakers as Martin Scorsese and Edgar Wright is the first in our special. Back Alley Cinema Print Series. Come see if the Doctor can actually bottle the spirit of the dead. Ooh. So that sounds fun. And while The Exorcist sounds exciting, I wanted to say, I know Al has never seen The Exorcist, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to put this out because we had talked about going on October 1st. Mm-hmm. Because October, while October 30th is great because it's right before Halloween, The Exorcist, Believer, will have already been out for almost a month. Yeah. And so I think we are planning, am I right, on going to see The Exorcist on October 1st mm-hmm. at 7 p.m. 
Mm-hmm. And I want to put out anyone out there who's near Detroit or wants to come to Detroit for that yeah. day. I think we're going to go. So I just looked up. There's only 50 seats available for that. Uh-huh. But um, I'm going to get our tickets here shortly. And I cool. know I already put it out to Al. So if me, you, and Al go on October 1st, it's at 7 p.m. is the one I'm going to, the one I can go to. And I think the closest one, at least for you and I, is the MJR Universal in Warren. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm planning on. And if anyone else is interested in going who listens, please come and join us. Because I'd love to see it at the Redford. I just, I, I can't wait until the 30th. Yeah, because we got to see Believer. Yeah, we got to see Believer. So, yeah, so. so thanks, Al. Looking forward to using The Exorcist for the first time. And then, obviously, the next weekend, you're going to have to come see Believer with us as well. Yeah, obviously. Duh. Mm-hmm. All right, well, there's our, ter- our trove. Holy crap. So I think maybe more than ever. So everyone, we thank you for writing. And please write to us as well. Scaringasharing at gmail.com or slide into our Instas. Scaringasharing. All one word, smash them together. <laughs> and smash that like button. Um, Jeremy, before yeah. we share our scares with each other, what do you have that we haven't touched upon? Have you what watched it? something or heard something? Okay. I've heard a couple things. I've watched a couple things. Um, so what I've heard is uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey is getting a sequel. Uh, I just saw that news because apparently it made enough money to warrant that, but it's got a bigger budget. So uh, we'll see what that means. Uh, not holding my breath for it. Um, the Strangers trilogy mm-hmm. is getting there's a Comic Con coming up soon that they're going to do some sort of panel or event revealing more. But Rennie Harlan's going to be there talking about it, who directed the three movies. Uh, so that's coming out next year in 2024. So, I mean, you and I were like, what's happening? Why have they released no news about it? Mm-hmm. Here it is. They're finally going to get those out. I, people are thinking uh, the fact that they're calling it the Strangers Trilogy and advertising it all together. They're probably going to release them like back to back to back, like throughout the year, because uh, we know that they've all been filmed. They were filmed together. So um, and a new trailer for Thanksgiving, Eli Roth's Thanksgiving based off of his trailer that was in Grindhouse all those years ago. Uh, that's finally coming out in time for Thanksgiving. So. Did the trailer come out and did you watch it? I did. It looks great. <laughs> it is, looks... It, is it just very similar to the other trailer? Yeah, it looks like a bigger budget, like real version, <laughs> quote unquote real. Like not okay. like a not like a faux grindhouse movie, like the original uh, trailer was done to look like this looks like okay. a actual slasher movie. But, you know, looks very, uh, you know, it looks similar to Halloween. But instead of Michael Myers, you got a guy dressed as a pilgrim killing people. Okay. So uh, that should be fun. Um, and then watching. Real quick, I like I said, I watched They Live, but also the other night, the the wife and I watched The Faculty, uh, which was a lot of fun to revisit. I haven't seen that in forever, mm-hmm. and it's just Cleo uh, Duval, love her. Yeah, it's not great. Like I was like, when it was over, I was like, this movie's kind of stupid, but kind of awesome at the same time. It was like the perfect mix of just that '90s ridiculousness. I forgot that Kevin Williamson wrote it. So because he was apparently just yeah. the king, he was just the king of teen oh, horror yeah. movies in the 90s. So, yeah, I was like, yeah, this does feel like if you mashed the thing up with John Carpenter's the thing up with uh, Scream, like yep. that's totally what this feels like. And so. Piper Laurie's and that I know my husband, Joe, from Three Funny Ladies podcast, go check it out. He just finished her autobiography and I got I asked him what she said about Carrie. And he said that um, 
that she treated it like a comedy, which I've heard about. Like, mm-hmm. and it's just it's so fascinating because like she's so scary in it. Like, so if that's how she approached it, like like a mm-hmm. comedy, it's just so bizarre because it's like it's so good though. It's so creepy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's amazing. And I yeah, yeah I forgot, like as you said that, I'm like, oh my god, she's in the faculty. That's crazy. Yep. It, it, the faculty has a stacked cast, man. Oh, like yeah. there's so Amy many worth Usher, Salma Hayek, Josh Arnett. Yep. John Stewart. Oh my god, Elijah Wood. Uh, Elijah Wood, of course. Yeah, it's got everybody. so many people in it. Uh Robert Patrick. Yeah, that's crazy. It has so many goddamn people. But yeah, cool. that's it. Okay, I don't have any news. You've touched on everything or we have throughout the episode, but I watched Cobweb the other mm-hmm. day, which is that movie with um, Lizzie Kaplan. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Okay. It's fine. It, I sure. don't recommend it. I mean, I love Lizzie Kaplan, um, mm-hmm. but like nothing, nothing terribly interesting. It was like the black phone mixed with, I don't know what, some like, like the ring or something. Mm-hmm. Like something along those lines. So not terrific. A fine, okay watch. Not like total trash. Just not great. Okay. Yeah. And I started watching uh, Sleep No More. No, wait, not Sleep No More. Um, Never Sleep Again. Oh, yeah. Uh, as well. And I, I know before I talked, uh, talked about like the first time we see boobs in Nightmare on Elm Street is yeah. part three. So I talked to front of the podcast, Chris, who is like my Elm Street aficionado. Yeah. That's my friend Ryan, who's in the Fred Heads documentary, which I've yet to watch. But I hit up Chris and he's like, well, in the bathtub scene in part one, you get like the shadow of a boob. It's not Heather Langenkamp. It's a stunt double. But when she gets pulled down in the bathtub. Oh, okay. And then he said, but the other bit of nudity that comes before the boobs, but I specifically was talking about breasts. Yeah. But is the coach's butt in part two. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so those, yeah. Yeah, those those ones weren't it wasn't like Friday the 13th which was just like boobs 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 all the time in those yeah, movies like yeah, from yeah. the jump. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's funny to think about like which ones did nudity. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And I I just think Nightmare on Elm Street's just a little classier all around just in, as far as creativity and characterizations and things and in, in my personal opinion. That is where I fall. But I'm excited to finish up the documentary. It is yeah. just, it's so fun. Yeah, it really is. Because you think about the big three and it's like Halloween set the tablet. Friday the 13th was like, we're going to copy that template, but make it more salacious. Uh, but then totally. Halloween, but then Halloween was like, now that we're making sequels, we're now going to rip off the Friday the 13th sequels <laughs> totally. and make our series match that. Uh, but Nightmare on Elm Street always kind of stood as doing its own thing out of those, what we call the big three. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, cool. Well, shall we share our scares? With yeah, each let's other? do it. Let's share them. I go first, I think, this time, correct? Sure. Yeah, okay. Why not? Well, yeah, you do. I do. Okay. Um, I was totally at a loss what I wanted to give you. I've cycled through like a few different things, and then I'm like, eh, but I don't know if I feel like watching that. Uh, and then just now, I sat down and was staring next to me as my shelf of <laughs> Blu-rays and movies, uh, and I was staring at it, and I was like, oh my goodness, here's one we've talked about before. Should be a quick, fun watch. I'm going to give you the original The Blob. <gasps> Ooh, fun. Uh, it yeah. makes me want to watch the remake already, though which is okay because the remake is so good. I mean, I yeah. know everything, something falls from the sky. It is, I think the blob is in, oh, I don't remember if it's in black and white or not. So I'll, that will, I just remember, like, I mean, I've seen clips of it from other things, but I know it like covers a movie theater and I know it looks kind of cheesy and hokey. 
but it's like a meteor fall. If it's like the first one, I, I mean the, the sequel, the remake, meteor meteor falls from the sky. It it just gets bigger and bigger and engulfs the town. So yeah, it's the blob. Yeah. Oh, it makes me want to. And wait, is did Rennie Harlan do the remake? Who did the remake? I don't remember. No one terribly exciting though. Yeah, I can't remember the director. I know that uh, Chuck Russell. Chuck Russell. There you go. Yep. Uh, from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three. Thank you. Yes. Director of Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Uh, and I believe that, if I'm correct, Frank Darabont was involved in both of those as well, I think, as a writer um, who would go on to write and direct The Shawshank Redemption. So so weird that Chuck Russell did Nightmare on Elm Street 3 was his first directing movie, then The Blob, and then The Mask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that is so With bizarre. Jim Carrey, right? Like, what a but, strange... Like, it all make those make sense. <laughs> yeah and i think like, they were all produced by new line cinema so oh yeah yeah yep. yep yep so interesting okay well cool i'm excited to watch the blob cool and i am giving you since you gave me a sequel last week to a movie we've done i'm giving <gasps> you a sequel whoa and i am giving you chrome skull laid to rest two cool okay yeah. awesome i'm assuming it's just gonna be more from what i understand like i remember when this one came out actually because there was like a press blitz in the horror world about this one where people are like it's more of laid to rest mayhem <laughs> which is bigger and crazier kills i bet and i think maybe there's a slightly bigger budget than the one before but who knows okay. we'll see uh yeah and i'm not sure if they expand they must have to expand on the lore of chrome skull somehow so uh, we'll see. All right. Well, let's go watch them and figure it out. Cool. Sid, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. All right. Let's do this. We're talking about the blob first up. Yep, and if you want to skip ahead to Chrome Skull, Lay to Rest 2, then you can look in the podcast notes and zoom right on over. But hang out with us and talk about The Blob. Uh, All right, yeah, The Blob from 1958, starring Steve McQueen, of all people. Uh, And the tagline is, it crawls, it creeps, it eats you alive. And the description is a drive-in favorite. This sci-fi classic follows teenagers Steve and his best girl Jane as they try to protect their hometown from a gelatinous alien life form that engulfs everything it touches. And then it goes on, but like that's a right there is a good summary. So yeah, I would say so. Um, so this movie's fun. I definitely have seen little clips here and there because there's just I feel like it's referenced in other things and maybe shown. Yeah. Um, but immediately, I'll just put this out there. Immediately after watching, I was like, I want to watch the remake. And so I did. <laughs> oh, cool. The remake, as I like, Joe was like, how was it? I'm like, it is so fucking good. And he's like, is it? And I'm like, yeah, definitely like one of the better remakes. Like it's up there with like the thing in regards to taking an earlier property and just like really making it awesome and gory and practical effects. Like just yeah. so cool. The thing and the fly are the and other the ones fly. I think of where it's like, like it's like classic old horror film and yeah. then updated for like a more grimy, grotesque contemporary audience. 80s yeah. contemporary. Like yeah, still all of like them made in old. the 80s too. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, they updated it perfectly. Like the originals all represent their 
respective decade. I think all three are from the 50s <laughs> originally that we just mentioned. Uh, and then all three were remade in the 80s. And they did a, uh, uh, they each of them, the originals and the remakes perfectly encapsulate the decades they were made in. So was this movie, back to the original, is it mm-hmm. supposed to be funny and silly or is it supposed to be straight up scary? Do I you know? think, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure that it was made like with fun in mind. Like they wanted it to be scary, but it was meant to, you know, uh, bring in the kids with the focusing on like the hot rodden teenagers as your main characters. They were looking to get a youth audience in there to see this thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think fun was on their mind as they made it. I guess I either way, it does not matter what your answer is. Either way, I wish it was more of one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does kind of sit in the middle, doesn't it? It does sit in the middle because it's like too boring to be funny. And it's also too boring to be like, we're trying to scare you. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's bad. It's It definitely keeps your interest, but I don't feel there's much urgency to it. Yeah, no, there's a lot of just running around town like, where'd that blob go? <laughs> and it doesn't feel uh, immediately like dangerous or like something horrible is about to happen. Totally. And I just feel like the like because it's fun setting up these sort of like you have Steve McQueen as a little girlfriend. And then there's this like group of other guys who are like, you jerk, you sped past us. And then they're like, we're going to race each other. This is like definitely like the 50s. Like, ooh, that's how we're going to throw down. We're going to race each other backwards. Yeah. No less. <laughs> so they have this like car race and then they like be- end up becoming like friends and like fighting together, essentially. But mm-hmm. I don't. I feel like it's missing the event that brings them together. Yeah. Like, I feel like something doesn't happen for the, the, the hooligan, like the secondary group. I, don't, I feel like nothing happens for them to get on board. Like yeah. the, it's, but they get on board before the movie theater happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're already like, yeah, that monster's out there. Yeah, like, and I'm just like, there should have been something that brings them together, because I, I love that, these, like, unlikely groups of friends becoming friends is a, a trope I love when it's done correctly, because I guess I just, like, in my mind also, like, imagine that's how all good things in life are, like, you mm-hmm. have two groups of friends who hate each other, but, like, really, it's because they're so similar, and look, they can work together and become good friends, and maybe mm-hmm. lovers. Maybe. Um, so, <laughs> so I was just... I, I missed that, but I, I still had fun with it. But like, especially at the end when the spoilers, but who cares? Um, like the blob sort of encompasses this diner, mm-hmm. right? It's a diner. I'm getting them yep. a little mixed up in my head. Um, but it just sort of like goes over it and it's, and then the, the urgency, there's no panic. Like the panic is so low. And everyone's just running off to get fire extinguishers. I'm just like, sure. Like the, the remake just ups it all to the best degree. Like I just thought the remake, I was like, this movie is so fucking good. And the effects are so amazing. It's yes. so gross. It looks so cool. The blob looks so cool. Like I want to touch it. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm like one of those little kids who get into slime. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to eat you. <laughs> it would melt you. Mm-hmm. I know um, that's the thing too with the diner at the end as well. You're like, what are the rules of the blob? Because before this, it seems to just be able to suck people up and they're dead instantly. Um, but then it just kind of 
wraps around the diner, but it doesn't immediately like suck the diner up, you know, like dissolve it. Like what's going on there? It just kind of sits on the diner for a minute. And you're like, is it tired? Is it digesting slowly? Like what's going on? Yeah. There? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but other people just vanish. Like as soon as it starts eating them, they're gone. Yeah. Just for so long, it's only the boy and the girl, the mains who have seen it at all, who are the ones who are alive. Mm hmm. And while that gives that interesting balance of, you know, we saw it, it's true. And other people saying like, what are you talking about? Monsters don't exist. But mm -hmm. then all these people come on board without having experienced the blob, <laughs> like all yeah. those friends. And that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, it's, it's clearly the mechanics of, a, you know, a 50s movie where they're just like, we got to move the plot along. So like, <laughs> everyone's just, yep, we believe you now. And I love that the air condition, uh, I'm sorry, that the movie theater is cited as being healthfully air conditioned. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And there was something else I wrote down a note about how nonchalant they were about the diner being on fire. Because what happens with the diner being on fire? No, I'm, it's all blended together. Yeah, it's because they... Uh didn't they try to write light the blob on fire first oh that's right that's what they did they try to light it on fire and then someone who on the outside is like oh the diner's on fire and it's like there are people inside including a child mm -hmm. like get to it so yeah and i love the opening credits i love the theme song i thought it sounded like tequila yeah and it's um if i remember it was written by uh burt Bacharach, i think so Tell me, because I feel you're more up on this than I am, just in general, and probably with these older films in particular. Yeah. What is this? Is it? Did you find out the song? Yep. Uh, it's just called The Blob. Uh, it's credited to a, a fake band called The Five Blobs, uh, oh. which was that they were actually just studio musicians. Uh, but yeah, it was Burt Bacharach uh, okay. wrote and performed it. So that's kind of that's kind of fun. And just with the change of pace in society and how movies are made and everything entertainment, like, I just wonder if when people went to see this, they were like, oh, this is so fun. Yeah, there's Steve McQueen. And yeah, occasionally we see a monster enveloping a diner or whatever. Like, was that the vibe or were people a little bored like I was? Like, I like it. I but wonder. But it does just get a little, it's just a little dull. I mean, I know it's like, as the description I just read on Letterbox says is uh, the drive-in favorite or like drive-in classic. So I know it played at drive-ins and was uh, something that was often replayed a lot at drive-ins by, uh, you know, owners and promoters. Um, but my question but to you, sorry, that I cut off on was, what is this movie saying about the the world? Like, is it a world? metaphor? I don't know. Maybe not anything. I mean, in the fifties, in the fifties, they argue like all monster movies had something to do with either communism or uh, the Cold War, because uh, okay. that was you know the biggest thing going on. Um, and I've seen I've seen a lot of think pieces where they talk about like monsters are pretty much in the fifties representative of communists. Uh, that's why like because to the American public. Uh, someone from the Soviet Union might as well be an alien or a monster from outer space because the cultural ways of thinking uh, were presented as being so different from each other that there was no way to breach that divide. Um, so I, I think there's something there to that, that there is all this anxiety about others that are not 
and I mean, these are always American movies where you have Americans running around doing American things, and then a monster from outer space shows up, and it's like it it really kind of fits into the whole nationalism that was going on after World War II, where it's like we just beat these horrible groups, and now we got you know, uh, as Ronald Reagan would eventually call the evil empire, the Soviet okay. Union. Uh, I feel like it ties into sort of just the the nationalism and the xenophobia that was really not that these things ever go away, but you know were very present in American culture in the fifties. Yeah, I wish that there was, and I don't know, maybe there was like blob merch like when this came out because I would have loved like even if it was like glass, like, yeah, if it looked like a blob. Like I still just the idea of that somehow in me triggers like that. Mm, that seems like it would feel so good in my hands, even if I couldn't squish it. If it yeah. just had a weird blob like shape and was kind of see through, there's something about that that gives me such pleasure. Like I want it. Your tactile, you know, yeah. sensory. Yeah. yeah. I I just found online too. It says that uh contemporary critics did not like this movie. <laughs> like it didn't okay. go, it didn't go over well with critics. And in fact, this article a contemporary article for the New York Times says this movie talks itself to death. Yeah. <laughs> Saying there's too much talking, not enough action. And you gotta <laughs> imagine that Chuck Russell, who directed the the remake, was just like. Uh, yeah, I know exactly what needs to happen here and mm-hmm. fucking went for it because it ups, uh, it is just, it's so good. And it really takes the same story. Like in so many ways, it just adds things like, um, outside, you know, like not like the FBI, but sort of like outside sources coming in. Cause they know the blob has landed and they're trying to sort of, they like yeah, figure it out town and things like yeah. that. But like Shawnee Smith is so fucking good in it. And then, um, the Dylan brother, mm-hmm. Kevin, Kevin. Yeah. Is sure. He from like, um, is he from, um, entourage or something? Or like Matt that? Dylan. Not is Matt, Matt Dylan? Dylan, not like the main Dylan. I don't know. Which I'm Dylan was it? I think Matt Dylan is like the main Dylan, right? Like the hot, hot one. Cause this is that's, not the hot one. <laughs> that's what I, I like. For some reason I was thinking Matt Dylan was the Kevin. one that's in the blob though. Kevin oh no. Dylan. Okay. I'm wrong. It's his yeah, brother that's in it. <laughs> he's not he's not very hot. Like he's fine, but no, he's not okay. super hot. See, sorry, um, for some reason I thought it was Matt Dillon that was in the blob. No, that's okay. I just then I just got like confused in my head. I'm just wrong. Okay, there we go. But yeah, it's Kevin Dillon and he's fine. It's you know, he's like a bad boy, and Shawnee Smith is like, you know, her hair is like all feathered and oh my god, it is mm-hmm. hilarious. But just the violence in it is so I say the violence, the the gore. It's just so awesome. And there's some just incredible sequences. And spoiler alert, I won't say who, but a child dies. And I love that. I love that. That's what going to movie is like. No holds barred. We're killing kids here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one is safe. No one is safe. So um, I just, I highly recommend if you've not seen the Blob remake, you do not need to see the original. You'll appreciate it even more. Mm-hmm. But go see it and i told joe this as well i remember vividly watching siskel and eber as a kid so Mm -hmm. i would have been nine i looked at the timing of this and when the blob came out the remake i was watching them and they were talking about it and i remember they showed a particular clip where like this like diner cook is like the drain there's like something in the drain and it's the blob Mm -hmm. shocking and i just remember that because i saw that clip like long before 
it came out on video and I saw it when I was like 10 or whatever. Uh, but fuck, it like it holds a really special place in my head. Plus one of those USA horror compilation sh- clip shows had like the, the waitress in the phone booth. So that's <clears throat> also is just like so, so ingrained in my mind. Like it is lives there rent free and I'm happy yeah. for it. Yeah, I got it's an amazing scene. I got to rewatch the remake now, but oh. no, I, I was just trying to place it. Cause so like Steve McQueen, this was the beginning of his career. Okay. Uh, I also wonder this, that. Yeah. Because he's credited as Stephen McQueen, which, okay. you know, he would later change that and start going by just Steve McQueen. But like legend holds that he, he hated this movie. Like he wouldn't even acknowledge that he did it or was in it. So he thought these B movies he did in the beginning of his career were just like below him as he uh, progressed as an actor and thought they were very silly. It looks go though good though. The version I watched was the Criterion yeah. one, and it's gorgeous. That print is great. The colors oh God. L- look amazing. That um, the, the thing, the colors are so good. And this thing, yeah, the original just became like a cult classic. It's just played on television, and not, I'm pretty sure Sven Gulli still plays it like multiple times a year. Like it's you a love favorite. Sven Gulli, and I love Sven Gulli. So it's on TV all the time. The original, it's never it's. So was the remake, I feel like, for a while as well. It would always be on television. So these are just, I don't know, people love the blob. They want to see the blob. Now, I didn't go as far as watching the sequel, which in my mind, I'm always thinking it's called Son of the Blob. But I, it actually, and that it is sometimes referred to as that. I think it was at one point titled I think that. Beware the Blob is its official yeah, title. It's the official title is Beware the Blob. I've heard it's terrible. Like, yeah, that's all I've I was, ever heard. That's what it. I looked up. And when I saw that, I was like, I don't think I want to watch a third blob movie. No, I've only ever heard it re- referred to as like a, you know, in those lists of worst movies ever made that are actually like not enjoyable movies. Uh, I've always heard that one listed as not very good. So, yeah, the one fun casting that I read about from the remake is there's this like priest who sort of fascinated with the blob in the remake and he is the same actor from beware the blob oh cool he's like a similar actor so that's kind of a fun stunt casting or whatever not that anyone would very few people would probably know that but blob blob fans yeah but yeah um um, one one bit of cool ephemera too is because i would love to go to it is every year in pennsylvania um i can't it's in phoenixville i think is the town i just read they uh have blob fest Uh, and it always, cause that's one of the locations they shot this thing in Pennsylvania, uh, and Phoenixville was one of the towns that's the, where the movie theater is that they shot in. Um, and apparently blob fest always culminates with a screening of the original blob in that theater, uh, where they shot the theater scene, but it's like, it's a film festival with like blob stuff going on and they play like other movies. Um, and I, I know like last year I was reading that, uh, the guys from mystery science theater 3000 were there at it like showing some episodes of their show so it's always like a it's a cool little uh if you're into old science fiction and horror movies it's a little film festival they do every summer you know what's interesting is i was looking i was trying to find if there were like blob figurines and stuff of course so many other things come up but Mm -hmm. someone on etsy like has like a little action figure of someone like getting eaten by the blob that's like 70 dollars but in the same like Google shopping list, there is like um, a little figurine from Creep Show 2 from The Raft. Oh, God. Yeah. Which I was curious about that because it is so like the the Raft segment of Creep Show 2 is so similar to how the, the blob, blob remake all pans out. Yeah. 
and it came out the year before. So Creep Show Two came first. Oh wow, cool! It definitely is that vibe and like yeah. the grossness of it, like eating their bodies and stuff. And the raft is based on a short story by Stephen King. Uh, and oh. Stephen King is a fan of uh, old movies, so I'm sure the Blob was on his mind when he wrote that. I imagine it probably was an inspiration on the Raft short story. So I remember it being such a good segment, and I feel like I rewatched it, but I don't remember what I thought of it. But yeah, it it that that's one that lives rent free in my head because I yes. saw that as a youngster, and the only thing I remember about Creep Show Two is the Raft, and I thought it was horrifying. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. And Joe and I often quote from uh, the Hitchhiker episode, thanks for the ride, lady. (laughs) (laughs) We'd say that all the time. Awesome. It's a good time. It's a good time. But yeah, um, unless you got anything else to say about the blob, I mean, it's just a fun little watch. So Um, yeah, out of five blobs, how many do you give it? I'm going to give it three and a half. Cool. Um, I'm going to give it a four. I uh, I've seen this a bunch of times, like ever since this one's like a favorite of my parents, too. So I've been exposed to it for a long time since I was a child. So, um, yeah, just I always have a fun time rewatching it, even if it is a little slow at times. Um, It's a great uh, it's a great one to just put on and kind of like veg out to as well, like have it going on in the background, and come in and out of it. So there's a stamp of scare of approval, scare of approval right there. That's right. And just in case you're curious, I would give the remake four stars or four blobs. Yeah, I would probably also give it four, maybe even higher. Maybe I need to rewatch it and see if I respond even better. I I almost want to give it higher, but I'm like, it's the blob. Like, yeah, I don't think it needs four and a half personally. No, but but it is fucking good. Like talking about a great remake. So Mm -hmm. if you've never seen it, check it the fuck out because it is good and it will. It moves. It is a good little clip of a clip of a runtime hell yeah all right well let's move on to a movie that needs to be retitled because it it just bothers me chrome skull colon laid to rest two it really should be laid the number two rest yeah laid to rest colon drives me crazy that it's chrome skull if you want to get that in there like Honestly, I don't think Chrome Skull has earned the right to have the movie named after him. <laughs> Especially when he's in so little of it like he is in this one. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's not to Jason level where you get to just call a movie Jason X and we know what we're getting. Like, right, right. It's only his second movie. Calm down. <laughs> so this is a movie from 2011 directed by Robert Hall. And the letterbox tagline is Death Polished. Ew, I don't like that. Yeah. And the description is the game of cat and mouse is on as Chrome Skull's, assist- Chrome Skull's assistant Preston scrambles to tie up the loose ends left behind after his deranged boss's last killing spree. He finds that he likes taking care of business, maybe a little too much. One bloody mess leads to another and the bodies pile up in a visual feast of the most spectacular kills ever filmed. <laughs> what? did you think calm down description (laughs) Um, seriously i uh, robert hall himself i'm sure yeah probably uh yeah no it's been a while since this has happened but out the gate i'm just gonna have to be up front like i actively disliked every decision in this freaking movie every story (laughs) this was rough this was rough yeah um considering where 
I'm going to be like jumping into slight spoilers anyway from the get go people. So sorry for that. But like considering where the original wrapped up, uh, I came into this thinking like, all right, I feel like, you know, it's called Chrome Skull. We're going to get a focus on Chrome Skull. There's either going to be like it's going to be a prequel and maybe we'll get like the origin story, you know, of Chrome Skull that shows like how he got to like where he was in the first movie or or maybe they'll just do the normal slasher thing that's, you know, been established enough where like even though he was pretty messed up by the end of the first one, he's just going to come back. You know, and there doesn't need to be an explanation because Michael Myers has done it a million times. Like they can just come back. That's like part of the fun of a slasher movie. The killer, you know, like Scream says, the killer's never actually dead. Sometimes um, they come back again. Yeah, exactly. And you don't really, nobody wants an explanation for that or not an over explanation. But like off the bat, this movie starts with like, here's a ton of lore we're going to throw at you that like you weren't expecting. Like uh, there was too much world building. I feel like it's a weird thing to say, but there was just tons of extra shit in there uh, out of nowhere that I didn't even, I don't know. It didn't seem like the first one was the kind of movie that would lend itself to being like, let's introduce this deep convoluted like conspiracy that Chrome Skull is part of, of killing people. Um, and that's where we're, how we're going to bring him back. And like right off out the gate, I was just like, I do not like that decision. So this is like really putting me in a uh, bad place to watch the rest of this. Yeah, it's weird. I I really wanted to watch it because I remember Danielle Harris was in it, but I thought she was like the lead girl and mm-hmm. she must have come in to film her stuff in like a day. Yeah, and and she's not even particularly dynamic. No. In this. Yeah, it's she, like it's like a every, yeah, she every, needed 500 bucks. <laughs> yeah, everyone's really flat. That was the thing where I'm like this this one was weird in that like what made the first laid to rest really cool is that it was a like down and dirty standard slasher and I was like cool that's like a breath breath of fresh air especially for the time that it came out in um but this was like trying to be a saw ripoff in many ways and then also like there's all this stuff with cops and law enforcement like trying to solve a mystery and that felt like a community theater production of law and order like every time it cut it cut to that stuff and i was just like what is going on you needed to pick a lane and hone in on it this it's like they he had ideas for like multiple movies and it feels like he crammed them all into one movie. Yeah. I can appreciate that it took it in a little bit of a different direction. So in the first one, there's just this guy going around killing people with a video camera on his shoulder. And then Mm -hmm. this one right off the bat, this sort of team shows up to get the killer from the first one who's been supposedly killed and they run off with him and they fix him up. And while he's being like fixed up, his, his little second hand or one of his assistants or whatever played by Brian Austin green is mm-hmm. like starts killing people. Cause he wants to be just like Chrome skull. And so there's sort of like two killers, but like the real Chrome skull, can he please stand up? He is like almost not in it for a large majority of the movie, which is fine, but also it's like a little Halloween ends in that way. Like it's like, yeah. and the yeah. kills are good. The kills are Good, the just kills, like in the first one. The kills yeah, are great. Yeah, they're cool. Cool special effects. Like, that's what most of this movie was, was just a showcase for those special effects. But it's like, I see this compared a lot to Terrifier, or rather Terrifier compared to it, maybe, whichever way you want to go. But Terrifier had such a good villain mm-hmm. and creative cool kills that weren't always just a knife. Granted, here it's like four knives put together or four <laughs> knives with a spring or whatever. <laughs> Extra like <there's>, knives. <laughs> It's like a knife extravaganza. Yeah. 
But it's not enough because Chrome Skull himself is so boring. Mm-hmm. That's where Terrifier steps it up because Art the Clown is so much fun. Yeah. And has Art- so many, like, he's not even just like a creepy clown. He's funny. He's scary. He's all these things. And here we just have this weird blank skull. Yeah. All we know about Chrome Skull is in this, especially, he's got a group of like hangers on that, whatever that organization is, it's never, that's never really explained. It's like weird to introduce that but not get any deeper into like what the hell is going on there. Like, why are these people teamed up with him? Why are they, you know, there's no explanation there. Uh, and he just talks to everybody through like a cheapo text messaging, like instant chat service uh, in all caps. Like he's an angry teenager. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And it, like my biggest thing, sorry, slight spoilers here. Well, just spoilers in general, but I don't know. I don't feel bad spoiling this. No. Uh, Brian Austin Green's character, Preston, where like, so Chrome Skull is essentially just like, you're fired. Get out of here. And he's like, ah, you can't fire me. I'll, I'm going to fire you, I guess. I'll show you. Did, I'll go get a tattoo of you on my chest. Yeah, and then he gets the tattoo. And that scene immediately, I was like, no, no, no. Like, that is, it, it, it's playing this bad, like, metal music. Uh, and he's like, all angry, getting a tattoo of Chrome Skull on his chest. And I'm like, this is so lame. Um, please, I hope nobody was writing this and thinking like, this is so badass. Like, oh, you know, was, someone was. They probably were. That's the sad part. But I'm like, this is so lame. And and, and it's because it, that character, especially, he was like in a different movie from everybody else. I do not know what he was doing with his performance, but like, he is so like exasperated. Like he belonged in a parody of a slasher movie, not in an actual slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he just gets killed. Like they build up that whole plot line and then Chrome Skull's just like, eh, you're dead. And you're like, what was the point of that? I thought there was going to be an interesting thing of like, there's a second Chrome Skull out there. Like they could have gone, you know, that could have been three, laid to rest three where there's two of them running around, but no. Yeah, it is. It's disappointing. And the after sure. credits. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So unnecessary. It adds nothing. It comes out of nowhere. It's not connected to any plot point that was discussed before that. Right. Um, And it just involves a pregnant woman killing herself. Yeah. What was the point? Like, the FBI just shows up. and They're like, by the way, we've been tracking him for a while. uh, And we know exactly who he is. And you're like, what? You know what? It almost feels, I know I keep going back to this, but it almost feels like whatever that guy's name, the three names who made the Terrifier movies, like it almost feels feels like he watched these and was like, um, almost, but let me do it better. And then he just like built on it because he has that sort of mid credit scene at the in the second one where there's something similar with a pregnant girl. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's like fun and weird and gross it isn't like like here it's just like what the fuck and -hmm. while that is also the case of terrifier 2 like it is just like it's more playful in a way like like maniacally playful it just god it is yeah yeah and at one point didn't the cop say something about one of the girls having a ten thousand dollar phone did you hear that no maybe i was at points, I was just so like, I barely I, understand yeah. what's going I, on. It was so. like such a small point that I didn't want to have to go back and rewatch 10 seconds to figure mm-hmm. it out. But I thought the police, when they found one of the dead girls, were like, and why did she have a $10,000 phone on her? And I was like, wait, what? 
What? Weird. And then also in this, you get a flip camera. If anyone remembers flip cameras and not like a flip phone, but like a little video recorder that was called flip. And I used to have one. I remember, I think Joe got it for me. I used to record shows on it at the theater. It was oh, like, cool. you know, almost the size of a phone, kind of smaller, a little thicker. Yeah. Like you could like hold it. And in here, the girls have a flip camera, mm. which really took me back to 2011. I got to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Old took tech. me back. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, some good kills. Uh, there's the girl who gets like the knife near her ear, and then it's like just all cut off. There's the woman in the stairs who the the scissor knife thing, scissor knife, yeah, like a boomerang almost, yeah, gets her through the head, and then he stomps on it. But that's about it. That is about it, really. And it's like, and I, and I didn't care about like like they took the wrong idea from the first one where there were like fun victim characters to follow along with. But in this one, it's like, I don't care about any of these people. Yeah. While I didn't like the girl in the first one, the lead gal, like it at least had those other two characters that we were following for a while. And even the two characters from early on, that woman who was from like game of Thrones or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like, so yeah, there were some good characters outside of the lead in here. There's just no good characters. No, no good characters. No. Yeah. So, anything yeah. else? No. All right. Well, out of five scissor knives, although I just looked down and saw your letterbox review. <laughs> yeah. Out of five scissor knives, how many would you give Chrome Skull, colon, laid to rest two? I'm giving it one and a half. I'm going to give it two just for the kills. A little up for the kills. I would have gone higher, but I'm like, I don't think I will ever want to rewatch this. So, no, that, I definitely that don't want to. That drives the score down a little bit. Yep, so there is a very solid Throw it on the slash heap. Yeah, throw it on the slash heap. Yeah, it's gross. Get it out of here. Yeah, just dumb. You can watch the original, but go to if you haven't seen any of that, go watch the Terrifier movies. Because they're Yeah, watch those. They're better. They're like this, but better. Yep. Yeah. Better kills, better villain, better better everything. Better everything. Better everything all right well thank you everyone so much for coming and listening to us write to us scaring a sharing at gmail.com or follow us on insta scaring a sharing all one word smash it together yep and jeremy is always a joy thank you yeah every every week always a blast and remember we accept you we accept you one of us one of us Google gobble, Google gobble. <laughs> keep watching the skies and keep watching and talking about scary movies because scaring is sharing. Bye. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.